Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Your host for today's episode is a member of the CareerPod team, Mr. Gary Walrap. We're here today with Brian Burke, a well-established ice hockey referee. And uh, Brian, I'd like to learn a little bit about your uh, early years in hockey, maybe a little bit about high school, college, uh, and uh, how you sort of progressed. Sure. I'd be happy to share that with you. Um, I grew up in Newton, about a mile from the Boston College campus. Um, I grew up in the early 70s when it was really when the Boston Bruins with Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito uh, began to get very successful. They won Stanley Cups in 1970 and 1972. And hockey really began to take off in the greater Boston area. You had the MDC ranks. That was the Metropolitan District Commission. Um, doesn't exist anymore. It's been rolled into some other uh, commission. But they began to build um, what we call the MDC ranks all around Boston. And youth hockey really began to take off. Um, I had the added advantage in that my dad uh, built one of the first big backyard hockey rinks. And it was a rink that actually stayed up all year round. So if we, we didn't have it flooded and we weren't skating on it morning, noon, and night um, in the winter, we were out playing with a tennis ball um, during the day in the spring and fall and, and summer. So uh, I grew up with a lot of brothers, a lot of neighborhood friends, and uh, that was our thing was to play street hockey and ice hockey. So um, played a lot of hockey and uh, youth hockey and then um, went up, uh, walked up the hill in Newton uh, at St. Sebastian's and began my high school career at St. Sebastian's um, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade. And then the best hockey uh, back then was at the prep schools. And I made a switch where I uh, went from St. Sebastian's up to Phillips Andover Academy um, and repeated the 10th year and played three years up at Andover and was fortunate enough to be um, elected the team captain uh, my senior year. And um, uh, I was also fortunate enough to receive a hockey scholarship to head out to the University of Notre Dame and uh, play hockey out at Notre Dame. So I played a lot of hockey between um, as a young kid uh, through youth hockey, through high school, through college. And um, my first job for 10 years after, after college, I would play in the men's leagues, but I really did not get involved in officiating until I moved back to Boston. Oh, I was probably 30 years old. Some of my friends were already officiating and said, come on, why don't you give it a try? And um, having a love of hockey, I decided to give it a try. And in 1986, um, uh, I called, yeah, 1986, I, I was the first time I got involved with refereeing and uh, I did it for, um, oh, just about 86, 96, 06, 06. I did it for, you know, just about 30 years. I have one little question. Uh, 
Uh, what sure. positions did you play? Well, I was always a forward, um, and that meant you were either on the wing or you were center. And I, I happened to always be a centerman, and um, and that was uh, my position. Um, and I, as I was saying, I grew up with a lot of brothers that also um, played a lot of hockey. And um, three of my brothers um, played at Harvard University, and and um, my youngest brother was um, was on their team, the uh, that won the national championship, and oh, I think it was 1988. My youngest brother Timmy. So, um, um, uh, and then my older brother went on, and he was the team doctor, the team physician for the Pittsburgh Penguins um, for 25 years out in Pittsburgh. So, we have a lot of hockey in the family. We love the sport, and. Um, that's why I definitely wanted to get involved with officiating. Great. That, that's a great story, Brian. And I'd like to uh, just learn a little bit more about, um, you know, your typical day as a hockey referee uh, in terms of what you would do to prepare before the game, during the game, and after the game. And, and also, if you could just... Uh, Tell us a little bit about the levels that you uh, did refereeing at. I know it was probably college and a little bit of pro, but why don't you uh, talk about that? Sure. Um, yeah, um, well, the first thing is what's, what's unique about officiating hockey versus officiating any other sport, whether it be soccer or, or baseball or lacrosse, the one thing that uh, makes hockey a little bit different is you need to know how to skate. You, you know, all the other sports, you put a pair of tennis sneakers on, you run around the field, and it, it opens up a lot more opportunities for officiating. So, but you really have to know how to skate. That's number one. Um, number two, um, there's uh, a couple of different ways to get into officiating hockey um when i was um first beginning there really was one only one association and it was um it was called nihoa which um is an acronym for national ice hockey officials association it still exists it's it's um the members are usually the um the officials that will do the High school and the college games are always members of NIHOA. The second, the second association uh, and the association that someone that wants to get into officiating now is the association that really controls all youth hockey and all amateur hockey, and that's called USA Hockey. So someone would Google USA hockey officiating and they run clinics, you know, every summer and you would begin as what you would call a level one. And as you get better, you would go to a level two, a level three, and then eventually a level four, which would be doing, um, you know, international uh, tournaments um, that the U S um, amateur hockey sends uh, players to, um, I got involved and I pretty much started with high school, you know, JV at first, and then you'd do varsity games. And um, after a year or so of that, if you were pretty good, you'd begin to do uh, some smaller colleges and, 
you know, the division two, division three, and you work your way up. Um, eventually you want to do, you know, division one. Um, and, uh, of course there's men's hockey, but now there's women's hockey. There's a lot of hockey being played. There's a lot of need for hockey officials. Um, my career took me from, um, high school to some college men. And then I spent nine years, uh, in women's college division one hockey east which is your bc bu you know northeastern unh maine those type of schools i did that for nine years um and uh actually i was fortunate enough that they, they started a, a small professional women's league it had maybe four teams and I, and I did a few games in that league so i could actually say i did a pro game although it was a woman's game uh, in a startup league, but uh, it is what it is. Sure. So, um, Brian, uh, yeah. I wanted to uh, ask you something that uh, caught my imagination as you were talking about the different levels of hockey. The, um, you know, you said if, if you're good, you can progress and move on to go to higher levels. Now, who makes that decision? Is that based on just your own ability, or does anybody you have to get a you have to get asked to go to a higher level? Just how does that work? Well, uh, that's a good question, Gary. It's there. There, the the key to officiating is the assigners. Those are the people that assign all the games. And as someone, as someone decides a young person or they don't have to be young they could be any age someone decides and says all right i'm gonna get my officiating uh patch they call it a patch that's what gets sewn on your jersey and they they go to the clinic and then the assigners come to that clinic and they give their contact information and they say these are the leagues that I assign for and depending on geographically and and what level you would then contact the uh, assigner and say I'm new um, and they have a mentoring program too now USA Hockey does so someone that's new they would assign that newer person with someone that's uh, a little bit uh, more experienced um, so uh, they can learn right um, during the game because there's usually two officials, always two officials doing a refereeing a hockey game. So, and then it's, you know, the coaches and the assigners attend some games and the word gets around um, as far as who's doing a good job, who's showing up on time, um, you know, who's, not causing phone calls where coaches are calling the assigner complaining that, you know, this officiating didn't do a good job. So, I mean, the word gets out. If you work hard and you do a good job and you're willing to travel to games and, and do the games, you'll get seen and you will move up. Um, guaranteed you will move up. That's terrific. Uh, I'm impressed with with the organization behind youth hockey and high school and college hockey. You know, the typical layman wouldn't really get to know all that's behind it, and it sounds like it's pretty well done. No, USA Hockey is um, very organized. 
Um, they, they have a very good training program. Um, it's, it's a great way to, um, if you love hockey and you can skate and you want to, um, you know, I never really, a lot of people, you know, you know yes, the money is good. The money's actually very good. Um, but, you know, you do it a little bit for the love of the game and a little bit for the game fee. But, um, you know, 95% of the officiating uh, of the officials have full-time jobs and then the officiating is on the weekends and in the evenings and it's really a hobby or a second job um unless you're at the pro level in the nhl you know then then it becomes of course a full-time job with travel and things like that but for the most part most officials have regular jobs and the officiating is um a second job, let's say. Sure. Brian, I want to get into that um, that aspect of uh, hockey in, in a little while. But before I forget, um, I uh, want, wanted to get a sense of the actual tasks be- before, during, and after a game. And I'm going to give you a scenario. This is sure. college women's hockey. It's at, it's at the Yale versus Harvard it's the uh, the finals of the Ivy League championship happens to yeah. be happens to be in the Boston area and uh, you feel pretty good about being selected uh, to really referee a game where there's a lot of interest and maybe a pretty good uh, fan base so uh, sure. tell us about uh, before during and after the game well the the scenario that you're talking about, um, <laughs> Harvard versus Yale, uh, you know, end of the year. I don't, I don't know if you mentioned it, whether it was the, you know, the, the 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 a tournament game. A tournament game would be come under a little bit different. Uh, the NCAA, of course, begins to you know in the college run the the um, the sorts of things. But but let's just take a regular season game, Harvard Yale game near the end of the year, it's a big game. Um, you, the, there's, there's pre-game what they call protocol, where uh, on the door of the referee's uh, dressing room is, is the, and there's a time clock also inside the referee's dressing room that begins to count down, oh, I'd say an hour uh, before the game, and everything is timed out right down to the minute where you know the referees um, take the ice, and one minute later the uh, visiting team or home team takes the ice. A uh, minute later, the visiting team, and then they have 15 minutes of warm up, and then they leave the ice, and the zamboni comes out and cleans the ice, and then. They four or five minutes before the game, they come out and they start the national anthem. And then, you know, it's all right down to a minute exactly what goes on, especially, well, at the college level and um, not so much at the high school level, but the college level is very organized. And, and, and you also, you sit in the room before the game, um, you know, some, most of the times you're with officials that you probably 
have worked with before. And, you know, you talk a little bit about some game situations um, that you that you've recently come across in previous games. Um, you talk about maybe if you've, you've seen this particular team um, earlier in the year, um, some issues that might've come up. So you, you, you definitely have a discussion with your um, fellow referees. And um, I'm now talking about um, uh, four referees because in the college, you're now talking about, two referees and two linesmen. So you've got four people, men and women possibly, uh, in the dressing room discussing um, um, the game and, and uh, what to keep an eye out for. And then you go out and you, as you come in in between the first period and in between the second and third, you again uh, discuss, you know, you know, what might have been uh, happened, what might have been missed or not missed. Um, so, um, and then, you know, the biggest compliment is uh, if you can, you know, get out of a game where nobody noticed the referees, then you feel like you've done a good job. How about that? It, yeah, 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 that's great. Exactly. One, one, one other question, Brian. Um, yeah. Uh, when do when do the referees warm up? Is it the same time that the players warm up? Uh, get yourself loose. Yes. Yes. Um, it's it's during that fifteen minute warm up before the game um the referees will do stretching in their dressing room and and, and get some stretching in and then or you know get get their skates on and maybe if the dressing room is not big they'll step out in the hallway and and they'll do some stretching but then they take the ice and um um you know they're able to you know really you know um stretch out and and um and the two the two teams are each warming up their goalies on each end of the rink, and there's the middle section of the rink where the referees can can skate around. Um, so there's plenty of time for the referees to get um, to get warmed up and loosened up. Sure, the uh, the issue of uh, you, as you can probably tell us, you have situations where you have uh, let's say overexcited. Uh, you know, uh, fans, players, tell me how you handle that. Usually, um, uh, you know, it comes with experience. It comes with self-confidence in that you, know, you, you try and diffuse situations. You try and, you know, you get to know different coaches and how much um, they're going to be, you know, getting on the officials and you – you try and give them a little bit of room, but you ha at some point you have to say, you know, come on, coach, you know, that's it. You know, it's time to move on, you know, get your penalty, get your player in the penalty box and let's go. And, um, you know, there's a lot of support in the rule book for uh, the officials, for any sort of abuse of the officials. And you can very quickly, if it's a player, you can go to a, a minor penalty with a misconduct and, and sit someone down for two minutes. If they uh, push the limit a little bit more, you can up it to a, a, a 10 minute misconduct. Um, if they push it more, you can up it to a game misconduct and, and send them home. Um, and it's the same with the coach. Um, you can give a, what you call a, a bench minor, which is just a minor penalty, or you can ask the coach to leave. Um, and, uh, so, you know, there's different, um, 
there's different levels in the rule book. And, and so you, you use the rule book to, to control whatever situation you need to control. Um, there are situations, like I mentioned, that, that get you on the front page of the paper. Um, those are the crazy situations where you've got a couple of high schools, and I won't name the high schools, but um, they, well, it, it was at the end of, um, oh, I think at the, at the end of the first period, um, some of these schools do a fundraiser where they purchase uh, these soft rubber pucks and they get to throw them on the ice and whoever gets it closest to the center dot gets the 50-50 of whatever f money was raised and the other half of the money goes to a charity. Um, well, there was a, um, uh, a Friday night high school game where I guess the, the students had decided that when everyone throws these soft rubber pucks onto the ice, um, they're going to take everything they could find in the trunk of their car, um, you know, golf balls, oranges, <laughs> leftover sandwiches, you know, everything came raining down on the ice and you know, uh, a golf ball hit one of the assistant coaches or visiting coaches and, you know, it, it got to the point where the game was actually canceled right then and the students were all told to, you know, go home and, of course, the... The newspapers got wind of it, and it was a crazy deal. But I mean, those are few. And sure, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you know, uh, it, it's well officiated, typically, and well organized. And uh, you know, but uh, I appreciate you sharing sort of the the funny story, or the, maybe it's not so funny at the time, you know. But these these things are. Can happen, yeah. and you you have to yeah. deal with all them. The, all the high school all the high school games always have uh, what they call a site manager. It might be the athletic director, uh, the assistant athletic director, but there's always a site manager there that will come into the officiating room before and identify themselves and say, you know, if you have any issues, you know, I'm here. Let me know, and also you can never start a high school um, hockey game without an EMT, an emergency um, medical, whatever EMT stands for. Yeah. <laughs> so an EMT always has to be there too. So um, going back to what you said, it's all very organized, very well run. Um, there's rules to support any situation and the crazy situations are fewer and far between. Right. Brian, something else comes to mind. Uh, knowing that um, uh, hockey is not only big in New England here, but it's big in different places throughout the world even. Uh, you know, Michigan, they're even playing hockey out in, in California. Uh, so my, my, my thought is uh, that the, uh, with, the gro with the growth of this sport, uh, I think it... Uh, it's just fantastic for a young, let's take a, a really good high school hockey player. He or she goes on and plays at very good uh, Division One hockey, either men's or women's. Um, so, and then they can, you know, as you said, they go through the different certifications and whatnot. So, uh, my question is, uh, if... Uh, if someone is a, is of that caliber and of that makeup, 
Uh, I would think they may become a pretty good hockey referee like you were. So, Sure. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So, because, uh, you know, part of CareerPod, we have a lot of college uh, students, so high, high school or college students all over the world. Uh, you know, CareerPod is online, and you can reach it from Sweden, from Finland, you know, or from uh, anywhere else. Uh, and I think it's uh, great that uh, this student can learn from career pod, you know, with someone who's a real incumbent and a professional. So, you know, th that's really good. I, I just wanted yeah. to uh, well, the, the, go ahead. The hockey, as you mentioned, Gary, the hockey is all over the country. And that's why USA hockey has um, districts, you know, from the West Coast to down south to the Northeast. Um, and, and so USA hockey officials, um, there's hockey everywhere and there's a lot of opportunity, um, for, um, young people, um, and, and the pay is pretty good. Um, and it's a way to get out and get some exercise and, and have some extra money coming in and you can take it as far as you want to take it. Okay. Brian, um, let's take, uh, like you said earlier, usually they, people are doing this in the evening or on weekends. It's it's not a full-time job unless you're at the NHL level. And uh, I understand uh, you've sort of created a pretty nice dual career for yourself. Uh, maybe you could uh, just talk a little bit about uh, what you do in addition to be, being a hockey referee. Sure. Um uh, I'm a professional photographer, a real estate photographer. I, I, I photograph houses that real estate agents are planning to uh, put on the market. And so my hockey officiation has been a nice complement to my professional photography career because one of the slower times in the real estate market is during the winter and the holiday season when um, there's snow on the ground or families have the decorations up. And that's usually the slower time um, in my photography business. And so um, in November, uh, December, January, and February, when the high school and um, the hockey season is really at full speed ahead, you can not only work evenings and weekends you have a lot of afternoon high school games on Wednesdays on Fridays um, it could be any day of the week and evening and so you you can do it's not just um, doing one game per day there's there's times where you might um, go to a school and you might first do the JV game and then you follow that up with the varsity game after. So you're there at the school to do two games or you might do um, the boys varsity and then the girls varsity. Um, um, and, or if you go on a Saturday morning to do a youth game, you'll usually be assigned, oh, three youth games. You don't go just to do one game. So, um, there's, um, so hockey has been a nice compliment during my slow time because I'm able to 
really pick up as many games as I want um, to supplement my income when my photography business slows down. I talked earlier about the assigners um, that assign all these games. Well, everything is on the um, the, the computer uh, program now, and everything comes down to your availability. And you go on to the computer and you say, I can work Wednesday afternoons and I can work Friday afternoons or I can only work after such and such time a day or in, um, and then you block off. I'm going out of town for two days. So you block that days off. So the assigners are on the computer system uh, filling in games based on your availability. Okay. Uh, so they like everything else in our society, the computer is active and it's an efficient way to uh, get the right referee to, to the right game. Uh, Absolutely. That's how it works. What's typically the most satisfying moment for a hockey referee? Is, is it doing a, doing a great job and you know it? Is it seeing that, that you know the players happy or if a, a fairness has a, a taken place? Or how would you th uh, reflect on that? The satisfying part. Well, the satisfying part, I guess, is to feel like you went in there and you, as as we said before, we called a good game, we called a fair game, um, we made the right calls, um, we didn't make any mistakes where, you know, you miss an offside that, you know, leads to a goal, uh, things like that. I mean, so if you feel like, um, and, and the coaches maybe come up and, and not only the winning coach, but the, uh, the losing coach, you know, shakes your hand and says, nice job. You know, you leave there, you know, with the self-confidence that, you know, you showed up, you did a good job and, um, and you got out of there. I mean, it's, uh, and you had a, you had fun. You're, you're doing what you had always loved to do, which is get out on the ice and skate. And, um, you know, uh, you know, a month later, a nice little, uh, check shows up in the mail, which is always um, nice too. Sure, uh, uh, Brian has uh, uh, video replay touched the college level at all yet? Yes, I mean that's where that's pretty much the only place. Um, um, meaning compared to high school, um, video replay is is on the college um, all Division One college games now have cameras and do video replay um, to um, be sure the puck crossed the red line to um, signify a goal, things like that. So uh, college has replays, but um, um, high school, um, not, no. And that's usually why a, um, uh, the um, director of an officiating very Sometimes we'll get a phone call on Monday from a coach uh, from a game over the weekend and, and said, you know, look at this, you know, you know, and it might be, it might be a judgment call. And those are difficult. You know, the, you know, I don't like this referee. He called this a tripping and I didn't think it was a tripping. And those, you know, those judgment calls are difficult to to argue because, you know, there's a lot going on. It's a fast game. You've got to make a split second decision. Um, uh, whereas um, 
other types of um, mistakes, whether, you know, uh, was it offside or not offside, that's really based on, you know, was his foot over the line or not over the line? Was the puck over the line or not over the line? Um, those those mistakes are, are going to happen. So, you know, there's judgment dis, um, um, mistakes, and then there's, you know, um, line mistakes. Okay. Uh, Brian, I have uh, one final question. What would be important pieces of advice you would give to someone considering uh, this field? Um, well, the most important advice I would say is number one: you need to you need to study the rule book and know the rules. That's number one. If you if if if, if someone is arguing with you or questioning a call, if you know what the right call is because you've read the rule book and studied the rule book, um, then, you know, that's the most important thing is knowing the rules. And, you know, the rules, um, you know, can get, you know, a little bit complicated, but there's, um, you know, if you've played a lot of hockey, you're going to know the basic rules and then um, you, you fill in the more specific rules. Um, but um, so, that um, that's the most important thing. Um, you know, it helps for young kids. It, it helps build self-confidence. Um, you know, if you've got a, um, you know, a, you know, there are kids that get into refereeing that are, you know, 13, 14 years old that want to get into refereeing and they're doing, you know, the squirt and the mic, you know, where they're refereeing kids that are, you know, younger than them. But then, then you're going to run into situations where, you know, you know, these young kids, um, you know, are dealing with coaches that are, you know, much older than them. And um, it gives them self-confidence to, you know, um, you know, make a make a decision, stand by your convictions. And um, it's just um, it, 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 there's a lot of positives all the way around. Sure. Well, uh, Brian, I want to uh, thank you uh, on behalf of uh Transition Solutions and, and Career Pod. Uh, this was a fascinating uh, discussion. It's like uh, inside the inside scoop on ice hockey refereeing, and uh, I learned a lot. And I'm sure that any student who is considering, you know, a career of this nature would also learn a lot. And uh, once again, uh, thank you so much for contributing to Career Pod. And have a great day. Yeah, you're welcome, Gary. And like I said, anyone that's interested, you know, just Google USA Hockey Officials and they'll find everything they need if they want to try and get their foot in the door. All right. Well, Brian, you have a great day and thank you so much. Okay, you take care. Thank you, Gary. Bye-bye.